Welcome to the Second Chance Podcast, where we explore the deeper inner of the human psyche, find new ways to reinvent and invent ourselves for the better, for the wiser, for the more rational, and the happier and more contemporary. Let's get real for a second. Let's talk about trauma. Let's talk about dark, unearthed, awesome, painful baffling experiences of life that demonstrate deep questions of of the soul of, of being of, of how to approach that narrative of space and time in trauma we we see life really slow right somebody in a car accident will always tell you that the couple seconds before the the exposure to that trauma slow down their their hours their days of, of of packed time in those 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 moments to enter the this unknown space of reality and i want to explore that for, further because i think there a lot of a lot of people miss the the deeper connotation in that like why should time be slower because something extravagant happened to a person and what makes something extravagant that happens to a person, you know, make time go slower or make things more relevant? Why Why does extravagance equal relevance? And why is relevance so important that time slows down? These are baffling questions. I mean, exploring this will give you will give you an insight into into holiness, into sanctity, into sacredness, into truth of humanity i mean deeply exploring the idea that the traumatic experience brings us into a zone where it deeply matters it matters so much that every second matters it matters so much that every second in a traumatic experience is worth a thousand days in the mundane tending tendings of life you know so let's ask ourselves how how does one moment turn into such a powerful truth and reality which other moments don't? So we always see this as like, you know, the neuroscientists, they'll, they'll, they'll demonstrate how the brain is coping and, and there's an exposure here and so on and so forth. But let's, let's flip it. Instead of focusing on the, the dramatic trauma that's being experienced, let's focus on the mundane life, right? What, what about the mundane life doesn't have that relevance that a traumatic experience has? Now, most traumatic experiences have, uh, have a death element to it, an exposure to the possibility of death or the death of others or the, the death of soul, right? for sexual traumas, right? There's a, there's a sort of emptiness or a deep question of reality, but more than that, an exposure to reality at the most fundamental level. It's like driving a car is real, but, but, once, but once experienced, once, once that, that possibility of deep unknown of this trauma comes unearthed, that is, that is way more real to us.
And why is that more real than the mundane driving? What does that say about the mundane driving? So in truth, I think this is unearthing something way deeper than trauma. I think this is unearthing a lack of trauma in life or a lack of relevance in life, because I think trauma is a, is a deep exposure to relevance, to the deep relevance of, of your humanness and the realness and the possibility of your potential. It's a deep exposure of that, right? People who are have a near-death experience will always describe their life flashing in front of them. Their life just became so real that they want to revisit every moment of their life as they go into this moment in time. My question is, why are we not finding that, that exposure of trauma in the mundane day-to-day -day experience, right? If, if trauma is only demonstrating a true realness of life, then our pursuit outside of the trauma should be finding that realness and turning into every moment that powerful exposure that that specific traumatic experience creates. And I think the deeper a person develops their relevancy to life and their experience of, of how real being is and how real the world is and how real, how real their, their experience is, they will, they will open up the, the barriers of trauma to be every day. I mean, the greats every moment, but every day has such a relevancy that it can be slowed down into those milliseconds like a traumatic experience can. And more than that, the experiences in those moments, the experiences in the, the, the deep realness of life will have way more relevancy, right? Just like a traumatic experience is way more relevancy, traumatic experiences define our life for the future. They tell us what we're going to be and what we're going to seek and who we're going to love and how we're going to approach things, right? It creates a whole new narrative of life. So to the, the, the one who exposes that, that sensitivity to realness in the day, the mundane, will, will, will be transformed from each day. They won't have to wait till the trauma to be transformed. Each day will be a transformative experience. But the ex the cost of that is, as we know, in, in all trauma, there is this need to, to relive the trauma. So the deeper you go into life as being this deep exposure of realness, the more you have to let go of the trauma. So what happens is, Life becomes less mundane and less mundane and more real and more true and more powerful and a way deeper exposure. But once you have, you go into that, you need a, you need to re-experience it. So you need to allow for days on end to revisit each day that the more realness is experienced. So there's, there's like a need of, constant retrieval from from society and from from life and from experience in order to re reassess every traumatic experience in order to go back into life to experience that exposure again so there's this weird relationship where there there's there's a there's a, there's a running away from reality and truth and then coming back to it but then having to run away from it 
For example, somebody who constantly experiences trauma over trauma, but always is ready to deal with that trauma. So they're going to deal with the trauma, then go back into the trauma, deal with it, go back to, and that's, that's the relationship. But as it gets deeper and deeper, the exposure is more powerful and the, the retrieval, the separation is more powerful. And there's a need of deep isolation to, to, to reassess the, the traumatic, the, the exposure of realness, the traumatic experience, and ask the fundamental questions it brings. Now, such a life brings existential questions on the standard because there's always a reassessment of what the heck we're doing here and what life is about and what our relationship to being is and so on and so forth. So it's definitely a way more dramatic life, right? Living in trauma all day long is way more dramatic, but it's also more true and real to our souls. Now, a level up, a tear up from this insane type of life is, which is the real life, meaning it's the best life, the tear up from that would be, even in the retrieval, there's a traumatic experience because that's also real. You're retrieving into realness as well. And then that has to be revisited. So there's this constant retrieval that has to be retrieved and then the constant coming back to the real and then retrieving to the faith. Almost like we need a, a false self in order to function. As we get more real and more true to, to what is happening, meaning it's fundamentally true to our psyche. It's it's convinced over and over, like the traumatic experience, right? When they see death, it's like, okay, there's life there, right? You're not They're not seeing death, they're seeing life, right? As their, their life flashes in front of them, they're not seeing death. If anything, they're seeing the opposite, that they're seeing life for the first time. So once once they leave the, once they leave the exposure, and they're and they're separating, they're retrieving, re retreating from it. They also want to come back to it because that that's where the real sense of life is, and the retreating is is a false sense of life. Only there has to be a false sense of of face, of realness, in order to go back to realness. So, the one who who lives in trauma. Purposely, it's not trauma, they're living in a deep exposure of life. They're going to need a false sense of life, not a full sense of life, but of a certain hatred of life in a way, a hatred of the real. That's not deeply believable in their in their deep psyche, but is it is it's like a band-aid in order to retrieve away from the the deep exposure of being. And that's that false face that that is very virtuous. You know, there's the we all know the false face that's that's completely vile, right? It's 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 demonstrating, you know, uh, a, a lie of being towards humanity and to towards the world, right? A lie to the self. It's a deception. It's that false front. But at the same time, there's a false front that's very healthy and, and good because you can't be in the real all the time because, because you need to revisit realness. You need to revisit that because relevant to the soul, you need to review them. It's like, for example, you, you meet a, 
you meet a very high official, you meet a president, you review that experience in detail, in motion, right? Because it's it's highly regarded towards you. And you'll capture yourself just daydreaming about that experience or talking to other people about it, right? Because it's that time and place that that had an overarching relevancy towards your soul that you feel deeply connected to in each moment you're deeply connected to in that experience. So the same thing here, where there needs to be a re revisitation of that. And then there's that false face in order to revisit because you can't revisit something if that revisitation is also real because that's life, right? Everything is 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 deeply um, relevant and real and true and powerful, including that revisitation. So you need that full sense of life in order to revisit. Now, another approach would be to just empty out life. Like life is nothing and empty, right? Like deeply falsify the the notion of life which which is also believable because we we could see that side of humanity we could let go of that as real and and start seeing it as this just vast array of emptiness and and in a in a, ma a massive galaxy of cosmos and and living beings that that just are born and die right? You could see the emptiness in it. So that's another way to retrieve. You go to the emptiness and in that emptiness, you could revisit the realness that you did experience without having to deal with the realness of, of revisiting it. Because then that's just another exposure of, of, of true life that needs to be revisited. And then there's this just terrible circle. Now, that that's tier two of this. Now, tier three of this would be, and this is like something for the prophets, you know, the Moseses, the the Moses, the Joseph, the real, the fine-tuned development of life and being, where there's no need to revisit realness because every part of the soul is fully attuned to the experience in real time that there's no need to relate the trauma. Let's bring it to our world, right? Let's say the car accident, right? There's those moments, the, the impact, the, the everything, the, the glass, right? The, and, right, we feel that we need to re, 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 uh, reimagine it and to understand where we were at every moment and how our conscious was running and how our subconscious was running what questions we had, what we saw about our life and life in general, right? All those things. Now for this tier three that we're talking about, the Moses, right? That, that experience as it comes along is deeply felt in every part of the soul and being to a point where there's no need to rediscuss it because it's been discussed in real time. It's so... It's so true to everything about them that there's no need to, to retrieve away from it. For There is always a need at some point, but to retrieve dramatically away from it because, and to revisit it, retrieve from the truth, the falsehood, to revisit it, they don't need to do that because they are that experience so well and so true that 
just as the experience has so much deep relevancy for the soul, right? The trauma imprints on the soul messages of eternity for that individual, just like the trauma does that. And that's understood by everybody. So too, for this person, for the Moses, the trauma, the, the exposure, it imprints the soul with relevant relevancy that in and itself is is already experienced and, and true and discussed in all layers of soul and being to a point where let's say you ask this this tier three type of person where you know like do you want to talk about that that exposure of life they would say no that that's true for everything and that's that's already my being and i'm already moving my body and my feet and my and my path in the direction that I've understood this exposure to be. So they're constantly tier three would be people that are constantly moving different in different directions because deep exposure, okay, let's go there. Deep exposure, okay, let's move there. They're constant they're moving so fast through life in this deep place. And they only need to retrieve in the deepest moments when there's a revelation of God or something that even they they experience as trauma, meaning it's so real. There's always a layer beyond what their 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 attainment has gained. And in that place, they they also need to retrieve and go to certain falsehood. And you'll find, you know, in Psalms and in David's Psalms, you'll you'll find the you'll find rhetoric of like that emptiness of life where like, you know, like, right? There's many thoughts people have and then it's God's choice at the end. Like, almost like we're just a laughing stock. In another verse, it's like, like we're a laughing stock in a way of that, of that initial stage. So you see that emptiness of, of life as 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 nature takes its course, meaning God takes its course. And and you have it with Solomon, and if you know you study his Kohelet, he's already on a lower level than his papa, right? For King David, he doesn't need to retrieve as much, but for Solomon, even as wise as he is, he needs to retrieve into the emptiness, the Hevel, the Hevel Varik, the Tov of old. The emptiness of life. And for David, for King David, it's not empty. Because nothing is empty. But for Solomon, it has to be empty because they want to revisit, they need to revisit the, the exposure. So that's tier three. Now, I'm talking to, to everybody. And obviously, these are tiers that we're, we're not at. But just knowing them, knowing the possibility of being on a fundamental level is already a step towards having that ideal and striving towards it and, and being free in knowing that there is a path that's way beyond where you're at and readily available and attainable. There is the life of, of someone who seeks to find subtlety in everything. The life of someone who seeks to find exposure of realness in everything and to truly answer those existential questions on a daily basis 
and to face the the enemies of life because everything becomes a deep enemy. Like you see that with David, King David. Everybody's an enemy now because if you're in a trauma, right? If you're in a trauma and then someone says in that trauma that you're just, I'm going to, I'm ready to take you down. I'm ready to, 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 even, even with words, it's deeply exposed to the soul, right? Because you're already so sensitive to life and to being, and then someone comes to you with a negative energy. There's, there's a deep backlash and a deep contentment with that contentment with that, with that, uh, that adversary. So life becomes, in a way, hostile, but in a way, very beautiful. Because when when things flow, they're they're flowing at a at a at hundred megabytes per second type of flow, right? They're flowing. They're flowing beyond like that's that's the rivers, you know, in Genesis, right? The the four rivers that flow from one head, right? They're, they're the perfect flow that bridges each other, that demonstrates the hierarchy, meaning God on top and us on bottom, but also demonstrates the possibility and the realness, right? The zahav, the gold, everything is majestic. That's the king, right? The majestic king. And I think that I'll finalize with this concept, this Jewish concept of malchut, which is kingdom, kingship, but not in, in relevance to actual kings, but in, in all our beings. That idea that everything is deeply relevant. I think that's a great analysis of, of Malchus, the, the, the sphera, the, the gate of Malchus, which is, which is relevance and that traumatic experience in all of life, right? It's like shaking someone's hand and being like, this is the bond of eternal light. There's just, everything's emboldened and, and dramatic. It's that movie with the suspenseful music in, in slow motion, right? That's, life starts becoming that glory of power. And they, but there's, there, there, there's obviously the pain of that, right? There's an opportunity to deeply be angry at someone who, Right to curse your enemy to because you're, you're you're it's so it's so true to you even if it's not true to your enemy it's true to you and they, therefore your enemy becomes true to you and and you must face it as as a true adversary even though they don't experience that exposure of realness although they have some sort of malevolent intention and that's where judgment is really important when it comes to the king where even as you're experiencing the real and the true and the traumatic, right? Who's right? Who's wrong? What's okay? What's not? And for a king, the protective of narrative is truly important because when you when it comes to judgment, you know, as we see in our judicial system, the Western judicial system in general, the narrative is the most important part of judgment. And we, we, we're, we're willing to, the judges, the court system, we're willing to buy into a narrative and we'll spend days in court listening to an attempt of a, of a written narrative and, the, and our attempt of trying to decipher through the narrative, right? Which is obviously a, a terrible 
point in our judicial system. There's no room for a narrative in justice. It's either you understand the right and the wrong. You don't want to, you don't want to visit the narrative because then you're a part of the story. And once you're a part of the story, you you care about your survival. And if you care about your survival, you're impartial to judgment. And that's okay. You should care about your survival. That's a good thing. But it's not good when you're trying to protect society and, and allow people to flourish. That becomes a terrible thing. So the importance of letting go of narrative, truly letting go of narrative. Now, not, not that we could fully let go of it, but at least the painting, the, the dramatic painting of narrative, and even the compassion, because compassion is not a great place in, in space of judgment. And narrative and compassion work well together. Like I, I see, I don't want to go too much on this, but I see this idea in the media, right? Where the media is so well attuned to the idea of portraying a narrative. And it's not normal if you spend just 10 minutes, five minutes exploring each headline and asking yourself, what's another possible narrative besides the one they're giving to me of this factual story, saying that it's factual, meaning man kills other men, you know, or this government upholded this policy or declined this policy, right? Just the core facts. Now, how many narratives could I play and what narrative am I being fed? And it could be a nice narrative, but do I want to play that narrative? What does that narrative lead to, right? And if I sympathize with that narrative, then I will end up being creating other narratives of other situations, and then I will become a different person from those narratives because the story brings your life to, to, to a new direction and to a new being. The story is the, is the bridge through which we, we connect to, to our social. And it's not morally virtuous to, to implode and, and impregnate a narrative and display your moral aptitude of that situation. Each judgment should be impartial without the narrative. And just by bringing in a narrative to display some moral superiority or moral uh, moral judgment is is in itself a crime. Narrative now if you're if you're the one that needs the narrative and we do need it, and again a king has to uh, uh, someone in judgment should separate from narrative as much as possible. Learn the meta-narrative. Learn the narrative that created the narrative and the narrative that created that narrative and so on and so forth. And go as far as you can if you're bound to that narrative. In conclusion, instead of asking ourselves why, what does trauma cause us, ask ourselves why don't we experience trauma every day? like we do in these deep exposures of life. And life and death should not be a defining factor of realness of life. Life is real. It is real or it's not real. And the fact that you experience realness in a traumatic event means that you feel that it's real. Now, if you're somebody who denies that true realness of life and of power of being, then then by by all means, go ahead into the trauma and try not to be traumatized. But you can't. You can't help yourself, but you'll be traumatized. You'll change from that trauma. 
And then you'll create an entire narrative structure based on those traumas. And your entire direction of life will be based on that trauma. And you can't help that. Now, there's certain things that you're not sensitive to. There's certain things that you are. And maybe you built a deep um, a deep uh, disregard for life and self and death. And somehow certain death experiences do not create some sort of trauma for you. But there is something that will. There always is. Whatever you're connected to, it will. Even the psychopath is connected to something. And they could get traumatized in that connection. In fact, usually a psychopath's entire narrative is based on a traumatic experience that shut off their emotions. So if anything, they're the, they're the, the deepest in this. Maybe your whole desensification of trauma is based on the fact that you're built on a trauma. Which, man, you're just stuck in a prison of a prison. So ask the opposite of of what the psychology is asking of us and the neuroscientists. What is a trauma doing to us? Instead, ask, why are we not having that in regular life? And what does that say about our appreciation for the real and for the true existence of life? And how can we upgrade that? And I'm not talking about tier three where you're in Moses. I'm talking about just a little bit more subtlety in life and a trueness. And, and a deep exposure to uh, the feeling of existence that can be developed by all, any age, any position, any race, it could be done. I hope you find that. I hope you find that trauma in your life, but without having to be forced into it. Seek the trauma, not the dramatic trauma, seek the, the mundane being so real that it's traumatic. It's such an exposure that it, it, every day has the opportunity to change your life and transform your being. That's, that's something special, man. Thanks for listening. And if you would like to see the video version of this, check out my channel on YouTube.